Welcome to this episode of the Knowledge Institute, where we talk with experts on business trends, deconstruct main ideas, and share their insights. I'm Jeff Cavanaugh, and today I'm happy to be joined by Olu Edigoke, partner at Infosys Consulting and head of their communications industry consulting practice. Welcome, Olu. Thank you, Jeff. Happy to be here. We're going to talk today about the mobile-centric customer experience. And while that sounds big and exciting, we'd also like to reach back a little bit, Olu, and find a little more about you and your, your backstory. Uh, first of all, where are you from? And more or less, how did you get to the position that you're in today? I was actually born in Nigeria, and I spent uh, my growing up years in Nigeria, went to, did my undergrad in Nigeria, and after my undergraduate studies, I went to United Kingdom uh, for my postgraduate, where I did my MBA at Cardiff uh, Business School, and right out of Cardiff Business School, I decided I was going to be in consulting or investment banking, and I happened to join American Management Systems as a consultant. Uh, actually in their financial services industry. And as things happened, one of the clients that I was going to be working with, uh, the project actually got delayed and they said, oh, why don't you just in the interim work on this uh, telecommunications project? And I said, why not? Let's try it. And in the process of uh, working with that client that was going through their technology uh, modernization, I realized that I actually enjoyed telecoms. And since then, I find myself uh, working with telecom clients and never really went back into financial services or investment banking. And I'm really glad that uh, I actually made that uh, change. And since then, it's been very interesting right uh, for me. And so that's where I am now. Fantastic. It's interesting how serendipity can take a hand. Yes. In this case, uh, Looking back now, I'm always thinking, what will have happened if I actually have stayed in financial services? I will have been monitoring uh, stocks and just doing all those kind of equity analysis as opposed to actually now working with uh, my clients to actually make big change happen in the, in, the, in the market that is actually transforming people's lives. So I'm really enjoying it. Well, I'm sure that your, your clients are appreciative that you made that choice. Yes, absolutely. It's interesting, too, I bring that up because... With your, you know, a lot of people talk about global perspectives, and yet you are probably as much of a living embodiment of a global perspective as anyone yep. you talk with. Can you perhaps contrast how technology is affected or these forces in societal as well between your native Nigeria, UK, and, and Europe, and after many years in the US, maybe some differences and, and, and observations? Yes, I think. That's a great point uh, because for me, because I grew up in Nigeria, I work with clients in the UK, in Europe. I've worked with clients in North America as well. And occasionally I also advise some of the telecom clients in Africa as well. So across all of these continents, uh, technology and especially mobile uh, communications has a huge, uh, tremendous impact on people's lives. So, for example, if you look at Africa, where many people did not actually have fixed-line uh, telecoms in their homes, uh, their first experience with telecommunication is actually mobile. 
And as a result of that, many people who are in the rural areas, uh, they were able to communicate with people in the urban centers through uh, mobile phones. And they were able to use it for things like money transfer. They were able to use it for uh, things like uh, emergency uh, services uh, to call for medical help. Uh, and that becomes very significant impact, not just uh, on people's lives, but also in terms of their livelihood as well. Because all of a sudden now, there are so many people that are receiving uh, funds from people working in the urban cities. Uh, in fact, some people are actually starting businesses just on their mobile phone by allowing people to make calls, uh, by opening sort of like a cafe where people can come and use their mobile apps. And, and that becomes the source of their livelihood. So mobile phone uh, in the U.S., and in Europe, where it has become a basic necessity for our communications with friends and families, um, but in many of the developing countries like Africa, it has actually become like a source of their uh, source of uh, living for them uh, as, a, as a person, as a family, uh, which obviously has had a very tremendous impact uh, on not just the economy but in uh, people's lives as well. Wanted to emphasize that point. Because beyond the corporate message, profitability, productivity, efficiency, you're touching people's lives. Yes. And you're affecting uh, planetary and societal aspects as well. And so that has to be rewarding as you're working with these clients, thinking about how telecom affects their economics and also their basic livelihood. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and that's really what makes this very exciting for me personally, that this is not just about the profit motive, which obviously we have to, we have to make profit so that we can be in business. But what uh, telecommunications and mobile is doing and what it's going to do, especially with 5G that is coming now, uh, is going to have a very significant impact on how we live. Uh, it's going to have a significant impact in terms of how businesses operate and also our businesses are going to become more, much more profitable in the future as well. So, so a big significant impact on the society and the overall economic well-being of families as well. That is fantastic context setting. Let's, let's dive in. Okay. One of your recent papers was on this idea of a mobile-centric customer experience. And given what you just mentioned about how mobility is changing people's lives, could you talk about what mobility-centric means? Yes, absolutely. So, like I said earlier on, if you look at uh, continents like Africa where people did not have the traditional fixed-line uh, phone, the mobile became their first uh, platform that they were used to communicate. And also, because many people also did not have access to PC, mobile also became the first uh, PC, sort of, uh, that they have in terms of being able to access the internet as well. While if you compare that with uh, countries like US, for the most part in the Western world, where we kind of started out using fixed line and then using PC to be able to access the internet, and then now we're getting onto mobile and now using mobile to actually access the internet. And now, obviously, everybody talk with their mobile phones, and in fact, I think most people will probably feel more comfortable uh, leaving their wallet at home as opposed to leaving your phones at home. Uh, so now, 
what is now happening is mobile is actually going to, is now becoming the primary means of not just communication but also for entertainment as well in terms of how people access the internet and how people get things done in, in a digital world. And as a result of that, for companies like telecoms uh, that wants to be able to compete and retain customers, um, mobile has become a platform and it should no longer just be something that you use for self-service. Uh, if you have problems, if you want to check your bills, it's now much more than that. The potential is, is much more than that. Uh, however, obviously, uh, many of the telecom companies they still have some challenges in being able to make mobile to become the core part of how they deliver experience. Uh, they still rely on contact centers. They still rely on retail. And obviously, there is a space for that. But in this world now where everybody, literally everybody, wants to access uh, content, they want to make transactions uh, through mobile, it means companies that can deliver that uh, obviously, we get an edge over the competition. And that's what the mobile-centric means. What about the customer experience element? What does it mean to use mobile to generate a customer experience? Yeah, so so the cool thing about mobile is the fact that, obviously, it's a very personalized device, right? Uh, so it means when the call comes, you know people are trying to reach you as a person. and And the great thing about it is... For you as an individual, the you want the service provider to be able to identify you as a unique person. And, and in many cases, you are willing to actually provide information to them that will help them to understand your preferences, to understand the kind of things you want to do, so that then that can make life easy for you. That can streamline the experience that you have when you engage with them uh, through the mobile apps. Uh, it allows them to be able to capture data about the kind of transactions that you are interested in. And it allows them to be able to personalize that experience so that to the extent that they can even predetermine your intent, uh, even makes it much better for you. Uh, if I want to go online and I want to make a transaction in terms of I want, I'm interested in watching uh, movies, I want my service provider to be able to understand my preferences, Right. Uh, just for example, if I want to stream music uh, and I'm using Spotify, I expect them to understand my music uh, preferences in terms of which genre I like, in terms of the artists that I like. So the experience is all about you being able to kind of read my intent and understand my preferences so that I don't have to spend a whole lot of time to figure out what I'm trying to do. In a world where there are so many choices. The key about delivering the right experience is, can I help you to narrow down the choices so that I make that very simple for you to be able to determine what you want to do and how you can access it. Are there any other elements that when business leaders considering mobile-centric customer experience strategy, they should keep in mind? Yes. Uh, so one of the other elements uh, to keep in mind is obviously uh, security uh, is, a, is a very significant aspect of this. Uh, while customers want uh, mobile-centric uh, uh, experience, but we also have to recognize the fact that it's also highly prone to security. So which means uh, data has to be well-secured, networks have to be well-secured, and the applications have to be well-secured as well so that the customers can have trust uh, because we have seen instances where obviously there has been cyber attacks and 
security breaches into applications. And that kind of obviously destroyed uh, customer trust and customer confidence. So security becomes a critical aspect of it uh, so that then customers will be able to share information and they'll be able to have confidence in the brand so that then you can protect the brand. So we have to always make sure we balance uh, the need to kind of deliver that compelling experience without at the same time compromising security. You mentioned a phrase in your recent article in IT Pro yeah. publication about winning the digital wars conjures up a lot of things like Star Wars. What are some of the implications of things like 5G on the competitive landscape beyond just being one more buzzword or piece of technology? Thank you. I think that's a great question. So if you look at the digital wars that has been taking place over the last, uh, I would say at least in the last decade. So essentially what has been happening is you see where telecom companies are obviously investing a lot of money, billions of dollars, uh, in building infrastructures, uh, building the networks, while high-tech companies uh, like Amazon, like Google, like uh, Apple, they are essentially launching services that are riding on those networks, and they are able to monetize those services. And in many cases, those services are actually cannibalizing the the telcos' uh, core products in terms of the voice and even the video services, as an example. Uh, You look at a situation where uh, Netflix, obviously, is offering video subscription services, Hulu is offering subscription services, and both of those offerings are riding on infrastructure that telecom companies have created, and they're making money. And obviously, telecom companies also provide, and cable, for that matter, they also provide video services, but those video services now are actually being cannibalized uh, by the OTT services, which uh, Netflix and the likes of Hulu are providing. And so the war is such that you have one uh, sector of the economy, like telecom companies, obviously making these significant investments. And this investment continues to increase as people consume more video at such astronomical uh, pace. They continue to make this investment without being able to actually realize uh, the the profit that they are making into those investments, again, because some of the usage of those services are being controlled or being uh, driven by other companies like Apple, like Netflix, uh, like Hulu. And so the, the idea behind the digital walls is how can telco also position themselves in such a way that they are able to launch and create products uh, such that they will then be able to monetize the investments that they're making in the infrastructure. And there has been a lot of discussions and debates in the industry uh, in terms of uh, making sure that the, the telecom companies, they are very fair uh, in how they treat uh, content uh, that is being provided by their competitors to make sure that they don't put those customers at disadvantage. But at the same time, we have to recognize that uh, telecom companies are making significant investments in their infrastructures, and in order for them to be able to continue to make those investments, they have to be able to figure out a way to monetize it as well. So that's the whole idea behind the digital wars, is to make sure that those uh, tech companies and the telcos, they are able to figure out a way to compete, and telcos are also able to figure out a way to monetize the investments that they are making. So, so that's what we've seen in the last decade, and that's what we're going to continue to see as well. Once again, you're listening to the Knowledge Institute, where we talk with experts on business trends, deconstruct main ideas, and share their insights. We are here with Olu Edigoke, partner with Infosys Consulting, 
Olu, you spoke about telcos. Yes. And you spoke about whether you call them digital natives or you call them just these very successful platform companies yes. like Amazon and Google. What about the rest of us? What, what about the rest of the companies? What can they take away from 5G, digital wars, and find their place in all this? Yes, I think that's a great question. So the, the cool thing about uh, 5G is such that it's a new technology. It's a new mobile wireless technology that is actually going to bring a lot of new capabilities to businesses. Uh, if you think about it, uh, we're currently using 4G uh, LTE for mobile. And for, for many businesses, they are having to contend with a lot of constraints in terms of maybe its capacity that they want. If you have a lot of employees that are on the field and they want to be able to access uh, applications uh, on your server, for most of the time, they will have to look for a place to connect uh, to fix uh, networks or they use Wi-Fi to be able to connect. And there's a lot of new applications, obviously, that businesses will like to will like to launch that can actually create unique experiences uh, that they're not able to today just because of the capacity constraints. So, for example, if you are a retail company and you are selling furnitures and prospects, uh, customers, they want to buy your furniture and they go online and they take a look at the furniture and they kind of see it and they kind of like it. But they really don't know whether that sofa, for example, will be able to fit in into their living room, right? So you, as a furniture company, you might be able to create uh, a virtual reality uh, application kind of a thing that will allow the customer to be able to use that technology, virtual reality, to actually see how a furniture is going to look like in their house without them having to go to the store and actually bring the furniture to the home. They can actually see whether this sofa is actually going to look nice in my living room or if this bed is going to look nice in, in, my, in my bedroom. What is it actually going to look like? That kind of app today is not possible uh, because it requires a lot of bandwidth uh, to be able to do that. But with 5G, uh, consumers will be able to experience that kind of a thing using virtual reality. And so the furniture company now is able to provide an experience which they're not able to today. Uh, so that's kind of an example of when we talk about 5G, uh, the fact that the bandwidth that it's going to bring is going to be more than 100x uh, in some uh, cases. And also in terms of the number of devices uh, that people are going to be connected to going forward, it's also going to be a whole lot. Today, an average person probably have five or six devices. You have your iPhone, you have your, you have your, your iPads, uh, your tablets, your smartwatch, uh, you have Kindle. You probably have maybe five or six uh, but in the future, you probably will end up having maybe 20, 30 uh, devices uh, within your home that are going to be connected uh, to the internet. And you want all of these to be reliable, and you also want all of these to be able to communicate with each other. So again, that is not happening today, but, but with 5G, you many of us will be able to do that. So 5G is more than just uh, a buzzword, 5G it's going to be a technology that will actually revolutionize how we live and how businesses are being conducted as well. Appreciate the way you related that. And I think before you mentioned OTT and for non-telecom folks, I think it's over the top. Yes. So, and, and these digital wars are over the top in their own right. 
as Correct. well as OTT being a service. One of the things that um, a lot of folks take issue with when they hear strategy and, and or that they struggle with is how does it relate to me? How do you make it real? Since you're out there and probably unique in doing both strategy and helping people actually see results yeah. in the field and the ground, how do you translate the strategy of a mobile-centric customer experience to results implemented, adopted, so people can see value and that those, those employees can see benefits as well? I think that's a great question because with many of my clients, uh, people tend to think that you don't really have a strategy until you get a group of executives together in a room and you brainstorm and you debate and you generate ideas and everybody just live. And, and that means you have a strategy. Uh, to me, I actually approach strategy differently. I've had some conversations when I talk to clients and they say, do you have a strategy for solving a specific issue? So let's just say, for example, they're losing customers and they say, oh, we need to figure out a way to retain our customers. And you say, okay, what's your strategy? And they will say, we don't have a strategy. And it's always a very interesting conversation when I say, no, you do. And then they say, no, we don't. I say, yes, you do. And they say, how? I say, your strategy is what you're doing right now. Whatever you're doing right now, that's your strategy. Because to me, strategy is what you're actually executing. Strategy is not what you plan to do, but strategy is actually what you are doing. Now, I know that for many business leaders, they don't see it that way. They always think that strategy means uh, our intent, our desire, and how we want to accomplish that. But until you execute, that does not become your strategy. That just becomes, that just is your goal, is your aspiration, is your plan, is your objective. You might call it all kind of a thing. But strategy is truly what you execute. And we have to remember that this word actually came from military, right? Uh, when military commanders, they are planning to go to war or they are in the middle of war and, and they're strategizing on how they're going to combat, uh, uh, how they're going to fight against the enemies. And the commanders make decisions on what they're going to do and in terms of the backup plan that they have uh, just in case the enemy responds in one way uh, and then how they're going to respond back. This word, this term, strategy, actually came from military. And as a result, it's very execution-focused. It's not lock yourself in the room, every tower kind of a thing. So I approach strategy from that standpoint. I approach strategy from recognizing that we have an end game that we're trying to reach. We have specific results that we're trying to produce. And strategy definition is the series of steps that we have to take uh, that we have to execute to be able to realize that and then obviously how we kind of adjust as as we progress and as we learn as we get more information so that's kind of how i approach it when we think in terms of mobile uh, centric uh, strategy it all boils down to as i mentioned earlier on how do you want to use mobile to deliver express one and how do you want to use mobile to also become the platform for your product as well. So, for example, like one of my clients, I remember when we were working with uh, DirecTV, uh, which obviously one of the largest uh, pay TV uh, providers in, in North America. And they were facing a lot of competition from Netflix and the likes of Hulu with their over-the-top uh, platform. And DirecTV wanted to compete aggressively uh, with the over-the-top uh, our companies as well. And what did we have to do? We have to work together on 
defining the strategy and the, and the new product, which obviously had to become mobile-centered uh, offering, which was launched as DirecTV Now. Uh, and then we had to work with them to figure out how do we scale the, uh, that mobile platform so that then it can support millions and millions of customers that they have. But we really had to focus on the end product that we want to be able to deliver in, in terms of the content that customers will be able to see and also in terms of the experience. And, uh, and it so happened that that product was, uh, has been very successful in the marketplace. But it's real. It's not, again, it's not something that we just want to conceptualize. It's something that we know that we really want to be able to deliver and put in the hands of customers. You'd mentioned strategy and uh, coming from the Greek word, which is half military or it's the army and half yes. execution or, or, or movement. So it truly is about an, an army or in this case, a group of people, a company Correct. getting something done. Correct. So uh, I think you, along with Lawrence Bossidy on the whole book execution, it's about getting things done, not about not about planning. Things. Awesome. Well, I think we're going to wrap up here shortly and wanted to get your take on what are the things that uh, listeners can do to help advance a mobile-centric customer experience uh, at their own company and for themselves? I think one of the things you want to do is as the world becomes more and more digital, you need to, we all need to kind of identify some of the brands or a few brands that you want to trust because what is going to happen is many companies are going to begin to offer many products and services. And the traditional industry boundaries is going to begin to blow, right? You're going to see your banks uh, getting into retailing. We're going to see, we're already seeing telecom companies uh, getting into retailing, telecom companies getting into financial services. We're going to see financial services companies getting into technology. We're going to see retail companies getting into financing. So the traditional industry boundaries will begin to blow. And so what that means is your service providers to be able to offer you a whole lot more services uh, than what they have in the past. So that means as an individual, you will have to make a choice in terms of which brands do you want to trust. And so that brands that you trust, then you will expect that they will be able to provide you with more and more services. Uh, if you prefer to shop with Walmart versus Costco, uh, then you should expect that over time, Costco will be able to provide you with a whole lot more merchandise, more services. So what that means is picking the brands that you like and expect to share information with them so that they can know you, they can understand you. And that will allow them to be able to personalize the experience for you. And that will allow that service provider to also help you to narrow down the choices. As well as for you, to have a reliable place where you can go to kind of understand what is really going on. If you really want to make an investment, you really want to buy a product, uh, where you can do your product research, where you can make information, where you can make decisions based on the information that you're seeing. So it becomes like a two-way street. You give them information and they use that to provide service to you. And then they also use that information based on your experience to be able to tell you uh, whether the quality is good or the quality is bad, so that then again, on the basis of that, you can also make decisions as well. So it becomes kind of like a relationship between you and that brand to be able to exchange information, and then in turn, you get the services uh, from that as well. So as an individual, we all have to kind of make that conscious and deliberate 
uh, decisions on which brands we want to engage with uh, digitally. Thanks for the insight. This has been a highly engaging conversation. I appreciate your time. As people want to learn more and engage more uh, with you and your practice and learn more about your thoughts, your perspective, how can they find you online? I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is, I think, is a little bit uh, unique. Uh, it's uh, Olu, O-L-U, Adegoke. And the last name is A-D-E-G-O-K-E. Uh, I'm also on Twitter uh, at Olu underscore Adegoke. It's my Twitter handle uh, as well. Uh, those two places are probably the easiest one to find me online. Fantastic. And in, in the show notes, we'll also have... Um this information. And everyone, you've been listening to the Knowledge Institute, where we talk with experts on business trends, deconstruct main ideas, and share their insights. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time. And thank you so much, Jeff. <laughs>